Hello, thanks for joining us for the Influencer Breakdown Podcast. I just wanted to remind you that if you want to get these episodes one week early, you can go over to theinfluencerbreakdown.com and follow the link to our Patreon, and you can listen to these episodes one week before they come out on all other platforms. Also, if you've been enjoying this episode, you can hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're listening to, and you can give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It always helps if you're willing to share our podcast to your friends. Thank you so much. Enjoy the episode. Have you ever thought about what it takes to grow an impressive following on social media platforms like YouTube, Instagram, and LinkedIn? How about the effort and strategy behind turning that following into a source of income? Welcome to the Influencer Breakdown Podcast with your hosts, Dan Pinkard and Jake Potter Rivera. This is your place to hear from and learn about the people who have made it as influencers. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of the Influencer Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob. And I am Dan. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We are continuing to evolve our show format as we move along with episodes. We're figuring out what people enjoy to listen to. We're figuring out what we enjoy to speak about. So this week, we're going to be doing it a little bit differently um, and kind of continuing on what we started last week. Dan, do you want to tell them about that? Yeah, so last week, we, we kind of morphed it a little bit to be talking more casually about our opinions on something, a current event in the influencer world. Um, and so we, instead of just basically going influencer by influencer, like we did in, in the first few episodes and breaking down uh, what they did to be successful, we're talking about current events and talking some about that stuff, but it uh, in less of a just choppy format where we're just listing facts and more just talking casually back and forth. And so this week, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be uh, both Jacob and I are we we each have different things to talk about and we will be addressing I think three three different topics in the influencer world um, this week right Jacob yeah so we're going to talk about Jeffrey Star we're going to talk about um, this TikTok creator Nico LOL and we're going to talk about something more going on with Shane Dawson and everything going on there so we've got an interesting episode a little bit more casual than what we've done in the past, and hopefully a format that our viewers or listeners are very fond of and enjoy. Something that's easier to listen to for probably 40 minutes. Yeah. And so to start off, uh, story number one is Jeffree Star. But actually, before we get into that, I just want to remind everyone, if you guys are enjoying this podcast, if you've liked the past few episodes and, and you're happy with it and you want to keep listening, um, don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform, if it's Apple or Spotify, whatever it might be, wherever you're listening, subscribe. If you can, give it a rating and tell your friends about it. So don't forget to do that. Go ahead and, and just click the pause button and do that now. Then we will go ahead and just get started. So the first thing that we're going to talk about is Jeffree Star. And so if you have heard it all about what's going on with Jeffree Star and, and the entire beauty community, we talked a little bit about Shane Dawson last week, but there, there's been a lot of, I mean, there's always drama in the the beauty community on YouTube. But recently, over the past year, there has been a lot of drama surrounding Jeffree Star. And so if you know anything about the whole Jeffree Star, Tati Westbrook, James Charles, Shane Dawson drama from last year, you know that there, there was this huge feud where Tati Westbrook came out criticizing James Charles and making very, very uh, <laughs> big accusations against him. 
And so recently, she made a video accusing Jeffree Star and Shane Dawson of basically feeding her poisonous lies about James Charles and manipulating her into, uh, and I think she the word she used was gaslighting her, into believing all these lies about James Charles and then publicly making the accusations, even though she was friends with James Charles before that. Wait, pause on that real quick. I just, I, I every time that somebody talks about this story... I'm so interested in the idea that this woman, Tati Westbrook, is like her claim of defense here is that she as a full grown adult is manipulated into using her <laughs> social media against another full. Yeah. She's manipulated by two full grown adults and she is a full grown adult to to, you know, basically attack a and, and a much younger adult. I mean, James Charles is like, I think at the time he's like 17 or 18. So. I just think that that is such a funny defense, but I know that it doesn't have exactly to do with what's going on with Jeffrey Star. That that Tati Westbrook said that um, particularly, but I just think that's such a funny defense that she's trying to give for this whole scenario. Yeah, no, it it is all relevant though because oh, all okay. of this leads up to what's going on with Jeffrey Star right now, and it is so funny. Like that's that's what everybody's laughing about is Tati Westbrook's like this like older like she she's at least a decade past where where she should be engaging in this kind of drama, you know? Like Yeah. If any I mean nobody should be engaging in this. But I know, she, but it's like high school drama. I know. So she, it's just crazy. She's a drama mama. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I said about Shane Dawson last week. Yeah. Um but yeah, so so Tati Westbrook, uh she's engaged in all of this. She she says she was manipulated to believe all these these lies about James Charles, who obviously is one of the biggest beauty influencers on YouTube. And so she she believed all of this. She came out publicly and said all these terrible things about James Charles. He posted a response video, um, and everyone realized that James Charles was telling the truth because he had receipts. Uh, I guess uh, Tati Westbrook, Jeffrey Star, Shane Dawson didn't expect James Charles to have receipts, and so he was able to prove that he uh, that a lot of it wasn't true. And so then she apologized, and it was it was all a mess. Now, she she just recently posted a video saying that she was manipulated. And now she's making very bold accusations against Jeffree Star and Shane Dawson. And she's even saying that she's scared for her life. She hasn't actually said why. So that's kind of a... Uh, it's, it's interesting. She's, uh, apparently, people are saying that she is taking legal action against them and has evidence, but she can't share it yet because of the legal action she's taking. So... She's scared for her life, has some sort of evidence about bad things that they're doing, Jeffree Star and Shane Dawson, but can't share it. Is she afraid that Jeffree Star and Shane Dawson are like tied to this murder ring that will take <laughs> her out, you know, will like assassinate her and erase her from the face of the earth? That's the thing is like she made this. That's a very significant statement to say that you're scared for your life yeah. about two other people who are famous in the beauty community. And so it's like there are some theories going around about why she might actually be scared for her life. But she's just basically painting this picture that Jeffree Star and Shane Dawson are just very vile, evil, terrible people. And so she's painting this picture. Meanwhile, there is other drama going on with Jeffree Star and Shane Dawson as well. We talked a whole lot about Shane Dawson last week, and I think you're going to be getting more into Shane Dawson, some some other stuff that's going on with him a little bit later in this episode. But Jeffree Star specifically has been criticized very, very significantly, um, criticized by Jackie Aina and other beauty influencers for his racist actions in the past. And so I, I don't know how much there has been. I haven't actually 
um, watched a lot of his past content, but apparently he has engaged in cultural appropriation, using the N-word, just a lot of very offensive, racist things. And so Jackie Aina has criticized him publicly, and uh, she actually disaffiliated with Morphe and vowed to boycott them. She is also a big name in the beauty community, and she has criticized Morphe for working with Jeffree Star because they have a big partnership. And so now her saying that she's she's boycotting them, that's a big hit to Morphe. And she actually has gotten a wave of other beauty influencers and, and people in that community to also boycott Morphe. It, it's just a whole complicated scenario where Jeffree Star has these has this partnership with this brand. And now there's a lot of criticism towards him. And this brand is taking a hit because of it. What it all came to is that Morphe has said that they will cease all commercial work with Jeffree Star. That's a big financial hit for Jeffree Star and probably for Morphe as well. Yeah, I mean, there's this is like something that has been kind of relevant on the internet recently due to some other things going on, but this whole idea of like people going after other people's sponsors because of them as a person. And obviously, like a sponsor, they know... I mean, you have to, you can't be completely you know blind when you go into a sponsorship you got to know the kind of content and the person that that is going to represent your brand and we've talked about that on this podcast the importance of of brand friendliness with sponsorships and it's just so interesting to see that like this whole cancel culture thing that we've been talking about we talked about how how you know you and I both agree Shane Dawson is is deserves to be canceled and i think that you know everything going on with Jeffrey Star it's kind of the similar situation and now you're actually seeing like this huge brand just decides. And I read that like Morphe decided to drop all of Jeffree Star's palettes and products and whatnot and disassociate like for, you know, the unforeseeable future or whatever. The, I don't know. But just, you know, forever now um, in response to this. And it's just it's kind of crazy to see that uh, somebody's past actions and then who they are as a person. is. It's like things are finally catching up with people on the Internet. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so um Morphe's, their official statement on Twitter, July 10th, was, uh, I'll just read this here. They said, today we've made the decision to cease all commercial activity related to Jeffree Star and affiliated products. We expect this to conclude within the coming weeks. So I did see on their website, they still are selling some Fire of, sale on Jeffree yeah, Star products, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> it's like very, very discounted. Like everything's half off or more. Um, so they said that they expect it to conclude within the coming weeks. As we look to the future, we will continue to share updates on what lies ahead for the Morphe brand. So that was on July 10th. So just a few days ago from when we're recording this. And obviously if you're listening to this on the main show, this is a week later because we do release episodes a week early on our Patreon. So if you want to listen to stuff right when it comes out, then go ahead and go to our Patreon. You can go to theinfluencerbreakdown.com and follow the link to go to our Patreon to listen to shows a week early. So all that to say, there has been a big, just a lot of drama in this community. Morphe has made this decision. They've made this statement that they're they're ceasing all of this work with Jeffree Star, all commercial activity related to his products. And to give you an idea of the financial impact of that, so we, we talked last week about Shane and Jeffrey's, consp- well, Shane Dawson's, uh, all of the drama around him and how we, we talked about how he and his products were removed from Morphe stores. And so Shane and Jeffrey worked together on this palette, this, this line that was in Morphe stores and on Jeffrey Star's website. And that palette that they worked on together 
was expected to generate $17.5 million in in-person sales in Murphy store, Morphe stores. Uh, Jeffree Star has a lot of other products in addition to that, but that just gives you an idea. Shane and Jeffrey's palette that they worked on together, $17.5 million in in-person sales uh, in Morphe stores. And I think they had an exclusivity agreement to only have those in Morphe stores. Wow. So that's a big, a very, very big financial hit for Shane and Jeffrey when that was taken out of their stores. And now Jeffrey, the rest of his products are also taken out. Yeah, we can't forget to mention that um, Jeffrey Star actually just like last month released a new palette called Cremation or Cremated. And there was like a whole controversy behind the timing of that palette with all the deaths because of COVID releasing a palette called Cremated, which I believe that if you pass away with COVID, it's actually required that you're cremated to remove like all the back, all the disease and whatnot. So there was like a huge issue with that. I mean, Jeffree Star like toes the line of controversy every single step that he's taking. Yeah, that's his brand. His yeah, brand and, is drama. Yeah. I want to ask you two things. This is really where I want to talk about with this is one. The two things that I'm noticing is one, how do you, how do we feel about the whole idea of people going after other people's sponsors as part of cancel culture? And um, as the second thing, how do we feel as like, is this a big like win for cancel culture is Morphe making the right decision in this. I mean, I think that you can take it either way. And I'm curious, like, what are your thoughts on those things? Yeah. So uh, I do think that, I mean, we talked last week about cancel culture and, and the pros and the cons, how, how there are good things and there are bad things about it. I do think in the good realm of cancel culture where it's, it's positive, it's not just canceling somebody because of gossip, but it's, they actually did something that they deserve to be canceled in that scenario, I think that there should be pressure on sponsors, on, on business partners, on collaborations. Uh, there should be some pressure on those other companies, brands, and people to stop working with somebody who has built their brand on something negative. But who draws that line, though? That's my question is like, who gets to who gets the power? Does the bigger creator always get the more power to say, you know, I want to cancel this person. Therefore, I have the privilege to do that while the smaller creators would have to fight to cancel big creators, you know, even if they're yeah. in the extreme wrong. I mean, a, a great example is like for the stuff that Jeffrey Starr and Shane Dawson are finally being like officially taken down for i mean small creators would have been destroyed for that in the very beginning of their career exactly and and that's the problem especially in the beauty community because there is so much gossip like even this whole thing with james charles where tati westbrook uh made this video accusing james charles of all these terrible things and all of that was fake it was all based off of lies that apparently came from jeffree star and shane dawson and uh so they tried to cancel james charles and when, if you look at the financial impact of uh, a store like Morphe taking out products that like that come from one of these influencers, one of these creators in the beauty community, there's a huge financial impact. And sometimes it's not based on fact; it's just based on gossip. And so that can get really dangerous. And depending on who has the most influence at that point in time, they can completely destroy the the financial well being of other people uh, because of cancel culture. That's where it gets dangerous. Yeah, I mean, I've heard this argument before amongst creators of this whole idea, like, 
yes, you can go after, you are welcome to put out a criticism video or a criticism tweet or whatever, trying to shame me, trying to cancel me. But the second that you start going for my sponsors, it's like I worked hard to earn those sponsors and we have an agreement already. They already know about this stuff. It's not like, it's not like Morphe couldn't possibly look into James Charles's videos, you know? Or I mean, not James Charles, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Star's yeah, videos yeah. before deciding to be a major brand sponsor. And so then, but then the public puts this, this overwhelming pressure onto this company of like, you either do what we see to be the right thing, or we're going to cancel you as a company as a result of us canceling Je- uh, Jeffree Star. And of course, Morphe, like they, they, they're pressed against the wall. They have no choice. Not saying that it's not the right choice in this scenario, but I just wonder like how far does this go and how many, how, how, how often can you, and for what minute offense can you cancel somebody's sponsorships which is yeah and you know for a large part of what a content creator makes the sponsorships where is the is where the money's at sponsorships sponsorships merch stuff like that which by the way as a result of jeffrey star losing morphe as a as a brand sponsorship you know there he's also taking this huge merch loss because as a beauty youtuber his merch is in pallets yeah. you know so and, and he is losing a lot of followers, subscribers on his own, too. Yeah. And so there are a lot of ways that he's taking a hit. And so it's kind of it kind of goes back to that question is, is he being canceled for the right reasons? Yeah. Because if he deserves to be canceled, then I don't really feel bad for him to like losing all that money and all the, too. Yeah. the income from the from the in-person sales in Morphe stores. Uh, I don't feel bad if he actually deserves to be canceled. Yeah. And. Just from, I mean, I have not watched Jeffrey. I'm not like a Jeffrey Star fan. I don't watch all of his. Man, uh, missing out. <laughs> <laughs> but from the the videos I have seen, he is a very. Uh, he doesn't have much of a filter, and he isn't. He isn't a very kind person. Um, and so, I I don't. It's hard to say what in this scenario is true because there's so much back and forth in the beauty community and people making stuff up and working together. Um, and so it's hard to say what is true and what's not, but all that to say, I, I, I think that it's unfortunate for Morphe because they're, like you said, they're backed into this corner and they have to now lose all of this income because they're selling somebody's product and there's this social pressure for them to stop working with that person. And so now like them having to stop selling the product, it's not like there's something wrong with the product. I've, I've heard that it's actually a very high quality product. But just because of the social pressure surrounding that person, now Morphe as a company has to suffer, you know? Yeah, and maybe they're the big losers in this. And I just wonder, you know, to be honest with my my personal opinion, I, I'm not a big fan of Jeffree Star. I haven't been. I've watched some videos and whatnot. You know, I saw that whole breakup thing going on a few months ago. And, uh, you know, I think that Jeffree Star, Shane Dawson, they're probably two people that deserve to be canceled. I mean, they have yeah. very you know, racy pasts and they just, they haven't really learned their lesson. Well, they continue to put out edgy, controversial content when honestly the sensitivity of the world that we live in right now, that stuff isn't super needed. Um, but that being said, I'm not, I'm not speaking, I'm not trying to speak specifically for this Jeffree Star scenario because it really paints a bigger picture of, is it okay to, on allegations alone, like, of course, there's some things that are just totally true. I mean, Jeffree Star, it's proven that he says the N-word or yeah, has in the like past. Like, there's actually video Yeah, video the cultural proof. appropriation. Yeah. That's proven, those things. But on other things that are more allegation or more opinion-based, you know, can you just 
go right. I mean, that's kind of like, can you just go straight for the throat when canceling somebody on the internet simply because of allegations by going for their sponsors saying, Hey, if we can't get your, your videos taken down on YouTube, then at the very least we can just make you broke in the process and make it so you can't actually make a living off of this. Is that okay? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I, I really think that it's, it's a hard, um, it's a hard line to navigate because if, if you are a consumer, you want to do everything in your power to say, this person who is selling this product, they don't deserve anyone's money. And if I see that, I'm going to try to stop it like that. There's not necessarily anything wrong with that. Um, but it does get so complicated with sponsors. Yeah. And, and in this scenario with Morphe, honestly, Morphe has worked very, very, very closely with Jeffree Star in the past. Like a lot of collaborations, exclusivity agreements, um, it, they have been very closely partnered and to the point where Jeffree Star has actually considered himself, he's talked about how he's an investor in Morphe. Mm-hmm. And so Morphe actually apparently said publicly that he's not an investor in Morphe. So maybe it's kind of like theoretical investing where he's like, I'm so invested with all my time and products. Yeah, and I've committed um, my products to their store. Therefore, I'm invested in their brand growing, yeah. obviously. And, and so he has he has talked about them in that way. And so... Um, if he is this terrible person, like everyone's making him out to be, and Morphe has worked so closely with him, maybe they deserve that, that affiliation being canceled by affiliation, you know? Yeah. Um, maybe, I don't know. But, but then also how much, how, how come Jeffrey Starr can't just say, I'm so sorry for doing all of this. I plan on turning a new leaf, but Morphe can say that. <laughs> You know, yeah, right? Because yeah. Morphe has like at some point they said that his content was acceptable enough to that he can be a brand. I mean, it's an integrated brand sponsor. It's not just a. It's not just a, I'm going to put a little sponsorship, a pre-roll ad on your video or mid-roll. It's an integration of brand sponsorship where there's long-term collaboration, and they they become kind of a spokesperson of your brand. And so you you kind of do agree with their their morals and values. To an extent, and should we should we look towards holding Morphe more accountable for those things and saying like, hey, even if you did disassociate yourself with this person, like in the past, you've already said, you know, this is kind of the whoever was leading your brand, you know, they obviously made some bad decisions and they didn't have good discernment. Yeah, and that's the thing too with Jeffrey Star is this stuff isn't new. It's not uh, it's not stuff that happened recently, and it's not stuff that just came to light. It's stuff people have known about for a long time, and he's actually gotten a lot of criticism for for a long time. And, and so this Jackie Aina, who is the one who brought all this to light and said that they were going to boycott Morphe. Um, they've actually, she has actually criticized Jeffree Star in the past publicly for all of this stuff. And this time I think it was more effective in getting traction with other people in the community, but Morphe making the decision to work with Jeffrey, it's not like they didn't know about this stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, so they, they were making an educated decision to continue working with somebody who has all this negative, uh, publicity and, and just negativity in his past. Yeah. Uh, so I would say that it might be warranted in this scenario, but I, I am fully in agreement with you about the, the dangers and the risk of cancel culture going after brand sponsorships, um, where it can be, like I said, it can be just based off of, uh, drama and, and lies um and not on factual information and so it, it might not actually be true and then somebody loses all of this money of millions of dollars which like when you talk about somebody who has like a hundred million dollars and they lose five million 
No big deal. They still Whatever. have another yeah. 95 million. But, but they're small creators that it would actually it would ruin yeah, their livelihood. Exactly. I mean, they wouldn't be able to pay their bills because of it. Yep. And it might be just off of accusations. So, I mean, I'm not saying that it's good or bad. I'm just saying that there is some some thought that needs to go into it. And and at the end of the day, especially with this Jeffree Star thing, we need to understand like it's still a free market. Jeffree Star is still selling the the pallet. That's not going away anytime soon. It's just not being sold by Morphe anymore. Mm-hmm. You could probably still go to Jeffree Star's doc, or website and and order these pallets. And and maybe that's even better for Jeffree Star because then 100% of the profit's going right back into the pockets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they are, they are still uh, talking about new things that they're producing and stuff like that. So it's not like Jeffree Star Cosmetics is crashing and burning. Yeah. Just something big to talk about. Let's move on. Uh, I got something interesting here. Um, gaming organization 100 Thieves, who they're, you know, if you, I don't know if you know anything about gaming organizations, but basically on YouTube, there's, there's, um, or on the internet and, and, completeness there's organizations they spend a lot of money they they buy they sign deals with talent kind of like a sports team would sign deals with certain athletes gaming organizations will sign deals they'll either create teams for certain competitions of games um, or they will sign content creators which is a different newer thing but 100 thieves is is by far one of the biggest in the industry um notable uh investors i think uh like the one of the owners of the Cavaliers invested in 100 Thieves. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, there's some huge investors, some big rappers and stuff like that. They they received like over a hundred million dollars in investments in one of their last rounds of investments. So it's kind of like just unbelievable. Cash App is like their huge investor bought them a huge multi million dollar facility to build their company in. Kind of kind of like how Dude Perfect has Nerf to buy them that, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyways, they recently signed. A famous TikTok content creator known as Nico LOL and or or Nico Lul, because it's L-U-L. So Nico Lul. And Nico is actually, this is so interesting to me because Nico is actually a basically known as a TikToker. And so she's she has that one video that everybody loves now. It's it's called okay, you know, okay boomer. Mm-hmm. Like the trend. She I'm not sure that she started the trend, but she like blew up. I mean the, the video itself yeah, where she That's how TikTok works though. Yeah. The the video itself where she lip syncs to a song that says like okie dokie boomer or whatever. She's wearing that Bernie Sanders shirt. I mean it's the infamous one. I remember seeing it when it first when it first blew up. It's got over 40 million views on Twitter. So I'm not sure how many has on TikTok. I wasn't able to find it, but 40 million Twitter views. I mean that's crazy. And she has a small Twitch following, twitch.tv, where she streams. And she's been streaming for about three years. She's mostly streamed League of Legends. But one of the craziest things that I'm looking at with this is this concept of, hey, these gaming organizations, these big companies that that traditionally they've been known for gamers, right? Now they're kind of seeping into mainstream media. And we've seen that with FaZe Clan. And FaZe Clan, I mean, some people joke and say that FaZe Clan and 100 Thieves are apparel companies before they're gaming organizations because they, they're they so known in like the streetwear industry. Like FaZe has a, has a long-term partnership with Champion as a brand, and they do a lot of collaborations for clothing, and they release like limited drop clothing that is like coveted to get it's interesting to see these brands kind of reach out and instead of just signing people in the gaming industry starting to sign people who are just famous on the internet like it's kind of like is this a new wave where where internet success then you get signed to like a team you know like (laughs) i don't know there's an article um by jinx tv jinx.tv and they write 
Nico Lowell's rise to stardom is one of the clearest examples of how one action, or in this case, one video can change your whole life. Because literally, if you look at her career, I mean, she doesn't have, she's got about 350,000 followers on TikTok right now. And if you look at her career, you notice like she has been streaming for three years with little traction. She's been content creating for so long with very little traction. She gets one super viral video and all of a sudden she's able to sign. And I mean, these contracts are like big payment contracts. I mean, imagine being a small content creator with only 300, I don't know, 350,000 TikTok followers sounds like a lot, but when you're looking at somebody like Addison Ray, who's got upwards of 40 million, 350,000 is really nothing. And she now, instead of having to fight to gain brand sponsorships and get a piece of the pie, she's able to just relax because 100 Thieves will pay her a nice salary of maybe, you know, five or $6,000 per month just to continue creating content under yeah. their brand. It's cool for me to hear because my wife and I have gotten 4,000 TikTok followers in the past week. Time to so. start reaching out. <laughs> Time to start reaching out to these brands. I mean, it's kind of like a talent agency mixed with a mixed with a, a sports affiliate like team in a way. Um, I don't know. I just think that it's so cool. I know a few months ago, there was a lot of rumors going around that FaZe Clan and 100 Thieves were kind of in a race to try and sign Addison Ray. And obviously, we've had an episode on Addison Ray. She's not a gamer whatsoever. I mean, she is a TikTok creator, but she is a known name, especially by the youth that most of these most of these organizations are trying to target as their demographic. So signing her just helps them create more visible content, get their brand out there. So I don't know. I guess what I what I'd really love to just talk about with uh, with Nico L Nico Lowell is just like this concept of of content creators being signed to big organizations, almost like athletes. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's because uh, companies and brands are starting to realize that there is a lot of money in the online advertising world. Way more and, money than anybody ever thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's why Facebook, Instagram, Google. Um, all of these companies that have online platforms are able to make a lot of money is because they offer advertising to companies and they, they can make so much because people are on their platforms and um, they just they charge all of these all of these brands uh, money to advertise to millions and millions and millions of people. And so in the influencer world, um, you have the same opportunity in more uh, more of a personalized way where people are following you and you're influencing them. And so companies are willing to spend a lot more money uh, to pay you to promote their their product or service, whatever it is. And so um, 100 Thieves and uh, FaZe Clan, organizations like those are able to see that if we can capitalize on this, uh, this opportunity and we can get a lot of these really big names to sign with us and take a cut of the profit, then... Uh, that that's a huge opportunity for them. And so I think it's like uh, 100 Thieves being a gaming organization where they mostly have gamers. Um, they're starting to realize that they, they have to branch out even more because there's so much more, so much money and they're a big enough name that they can attract people like Nico Lull. And there's so much more money outside of the gaming community that they can start tapping into. Yeah, I think that this concept, I mean, I think in the future, what we're going to see is we're going to see organizations like Face Clan, like 100 Thieves, but instead of being so affiliated with gaming, they're just going to be themselves. They're going to be affiliated with the internet. They're going to, yeah, they may have gamers as part of their teams, but instead of being a gaming organization as the heart, and that's, I mean, if you ask anybody, 100 Thieves, it's founded by Nadeshot, who's known for being a professional Call of Duty player. Phase Clan is founded by, you know, Phase Temper 
Viper, who's known for being a professional Call of Duty player and a few other professional Call of Duty players. So they're so their brands are so integrated with gaming that they can never really completely separate, no matter how far off they go. But I think in the future, maybe this is opening a door. Maybe some major brands out there, like you know Nike or whatnot, are saying like, "Hey, maybe we should." you know, subtly invest in a company that is going to just be a content creator organization. And that is, we kind of see that. We saw, you know, uh, Addison Ray and Charlie and Dixie D'Amelio lived in the Hype House and the Hype House is funded by some private investors who basically say like, hey, we think that, you know, if you, it will invite you to stay at this house and hopefully it'll curate your content. You'll be able to make more money. There's got to be some portion of cuts going on there. Somebody's got to, they're not doing that for free. You know, so maybe we're going to see a molding in between the gap of the hype house and these gaming organizations. And we're going to see organizations come out and say, like, we're here not for gamers only, not for not just for TikTok creators, not just to create a, a lifestyle, but as an actual brand that's just going to try and identify small content creators on the rise and catch them before they blow up so that we can help them blow up, but also take a little bit of that money in the process. Yeah, uh, I think I think the the gaming community was a little bit quicker to adopt that format. It was of, the only way to survive back in the day. I mean, I remember yeah. like you if you weren't signing with they were used to be called clans. Now they're called organizations. I think there's maybe negative connotation towards clans, mm -hmm. um, but. Now most of them are just called, you know, FaZe Clan is technically the name, but it's a gaming organization, and it honestly is just known as FaZe as well. But 100 Thieves is a gaming organization, and back in the day, I mean, if you weren't signing with one of those teams, there was no money on YouTube. You yeah. know, you needed to be as part of a team, and then that team would have huge sponsors, and that's how you got paid. You know, the money didn't come directly from YouTube or or TikTok or or Twitch or anything like that, like it like it does now. Yeah, and so I think two things. One is that it was more commonplace in the gaming community. And so now it's starting to spread elsewhere in the social media influencing world. And second of all, any good marketing person will tell you that you, when you're starting a company, a brand, whatever, you should start with a niche and then broaden it as you build a following. You should never start broad and then, and then work your way in. Um, and so by starting with gamers and then branching out to other, other uh, sorts of fields, topics, whatever, they have a lot more of an opportunity to grow quickly. I, I think that's just a really effective approach, but it's also just because the gaming community was, was uh, willing to participate in that sort of environment a lot more quickly than independent social media influencers who just make videos. Um, because that would, that would feel like a lot scarier of a commitment until recently, now that it's becoming more popular, um, but a couple of years ago, that would have felt like a really scary commitment for somebody to sign on to an organization and say, yes, I'll give you a portion of my profits. We'll work together for the next five, 10 years, you know? Yeah. I mean, basically, as long as you can say, as long as like, like, for instance, if you and I, if we put together, you know, $5,000 a month and we went out and we looked for not, not completely unknown people, but people that have a small following, but it's on the rise, but it's just not there enough to really make a lot off of. And we said, hey, we're going to sign a contract with you where for the next three years, we're able to take a portion of your income, let's say 30% of your net earnings uh, of, of anything that has to do with, with influencing and content creation. And what we'll do is we'll guarantee that we will give you, you know, $2,000 a month for the next three years, guaranteed, regardless of if your career excels or flops. 
I mean, that is security for the content creator. Mm -hmm. But then also what you're doing as an organization is you're hoping and you're praying that you're going to have that, that if you sign 10 people to do that, at least one or two of them is going to blow up. But here's the benefit of, of these organizations doing it because you can do it that way. And that's kind of how the hype house is the hype house. I mean, if you look at what the hype house is, everybody that's in it is a big content creator, but there are just a couple who have really risen to the top. Basically, Charlie Dixie and Addison are the three who have just excelled far above anybody else. I mean, they became like basically the three biggest TikTokers in the world, mm -hmm. all from one little community. And the rest of them, they do well for themselves, but they're nothing to, they're nothing out of the ordinary in terms of how much they've grown, and you probably wouldn't even know their names. And that's why I'm not saying them right now, because I don't even remember them. <laughs> but, but... Then you look at, um, you know, something like the Hype House. Well, they didn't have a lot of clout when they first started this. Nobody, you know, the names, they, they were all the people in the Hype House that joined the original group of like 14 people. They all went in with with little names, you know, decent followings, but nothing crazy. And they tried to grow each other and they tried to use collaboration to grow each other. Mm -hmm. But what if there was one brand who is already known, regardless of who their creators are, the brand itself is already known, such as phase clan such as 100 thieves i mean you don't even have to be part of the internet you know culture to to really understand to have heard those names or seen their logos once or twice i mean one time i was walking through six flags and i see some kid wearing a phase clan sweater and this was way back when when this was not even popular i mean we're talking five or six years ago and i was just like man imagine having a brand that big just from the internet just from gaming so so in the same way imagine you make a brand that big and then basically anybody that you bring in you give them a little piece of money, but you know that you're going to blow them up in the process. And and let's say, you know, 100 Thieves, let's say, you know, eight out of every 10 people that they sign blows up. Now, that's a ratio that you can get behind because now you're taking, you know, 30% of, of, of eight people. If you sign to 10, you're taking 30% of eight people who are making millions. And those two that flopped, well, no big deal. That's just a small cut. You know, that's just $2,000 a month for nothing. You know, we're, that's okay. So I don't know. This concept just it it, it amazes me and it, it kind of intrigues me, mesmerizes me a little because I can see that in the near future it's not going to be just limited to these internet brands, these gaming brands. It's going to be like, hey, Nike is investing in a team to start this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like if Nike were, was to create a content team of athlete influencers you know yeah it or just influencers even if it wasn't you know or like how red bull does it i mean red yeah. bull sign maybe red bull now that i think about it maybe red bull is like the og to do this because red bull like i mean they signed ninja who is a Fortnite streamer as really? a professional yeah i mean that was like one of their biggest sign or uh, one of their the, the biggest like esports signings at the time was that ninja became a red bull kind of I, you want to say athlete, but obviously he's esports, but it is athletics. It's considered athletics. Um, <laughs> I know it's crazy, but but that's kind of what Red Bull does. Is Red Bull's whole thing is like we sign the best of the best in their industry. Mm -hmm. You know, we just pay them to just put our name on their stuff. And I mean, Ninja even has his own Red Bull cans that you can go out and buy with his you know his faces on the can, which is pretty crazy. 
But maybe Red Bull is like leading the path for other companies like Nike, like Adidas, like, you know, for some reason, Oreo keeps coming to mind. I don't know what. Hey, if Oreo wants to sign this podcast as their exclusive podcast, the best of the best in the industry. Just send us Oreos. Just send double it, stuffed. Yeah, we'll take payment and double stuffed Oreos. <laughs> I like the opposite Oreos, like the, the vanilla on the outside, chocolate on the inside. Interesting. I don't or, think I've had those. Or like all vanilla. All vanilla. I like those ones, too. Um, but anyways... That it's just something so interesting to me. I think that a whole new world is opening up where people are seeing like, hey, we could make money. We don't have to necessarily be the talent organization. We could link these people up with a good talent agency that that we know of. We just need to be the name of a brand that they kind of represent with and have clout and we have enough clout that we can pull. I don't know. It's so interesting, but I can definitely see a future where that becomes a commonplace. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, very cool. Uh, let's get into our last story here. Um, so it's, this is kind of an update on the Shane Dawson story that we talked about last week, which, by the way, you might be hearing this a little bit. You might be hearing all these stories and going, huh, this is a little bit late on the news front. Well, you can listen to this the week that it comes out. I mean, these stories are hot off the press when we're saying them the week that they come out. But you have to go to our Patreon to be able to listen to the episodes a week early. Otherwise, you have to be content with getting them a week late. Still good information to listen to, though. Um, so Sanders Kennedy is a popular, uh, well, kind of popular. He's about a quarter million followers on YouTube, uh, drama YouTuber, somebody who just like talks about the drama that's going on on YouTube and whatnot. And uh, he totally fabricated. I mean, this is like appalling to me. This guy totally fabricated a video about Shane Dawson for views. This guy, he he came up with this story that the LA police department in his area was actively investigating Shane Dawson and claims, I assume of like pedophilia and whatnot. He didn't say that, but I assume that those are the claims he's talking about towards Shane Dawson and is actually seeking for victims to come forward to solidify these claims that they can act on a on an arrest warrant, you know? And, and like, so of course people hear this they're like holy crap like Shane Dawson may actually end up be going to, going to jail for this stuff you know because as of you know this point he's just a creep but he's not like mm. he's not like done anything completely illegal I don't I don't think so but he's just a creep and and this guy is coming out and saying that to his quarter million followers on Facebook on YouTube well then everybody's like calling him out just like this can't be true this is you know and then and he basically said that he had a conversation with with the LA police department that verified all of this but he didn't show the proof well then insider insider like the insider magazine came out with an article rebuking this story and claiming that the claims made by Kennedy have little to no backing whatsoever so of course then Kennedy gets all this hate and then Kennedy decides, hey, I'm going to come out with a video where I'm going to show people that I have the proof. So, of course, because it was all a phone call with the L.A. Sheriff's Department, he go he, he releases that phone call on a video. And basically, the person that he calls, which I don't know if he was speaking to, like, a public representative, which, like, big sheriff departments in cities like that, they have someone who would speak to the media. So he calls saying, hey, I'm the media. I want to know about this, about, you know, what your thoughts are on Shane Dawson, if you're acting upon any of this, or blah, blah, blah. And the person basically says, oh, we've got some suspicion, suspicious calls about him. And and we're like doing some, I guess, like light investigation work, not even really investigating. But we're just like keeping our eye out and then saying like, but there's no victims. So there's really no crime. And and I guess basically Sanders Kennedy thought that by them saying, hey, there's no victims, there's no crime. That was them pleading for victims. And by saying, hey, we're we've heard some suspicious things about him was them saying, hey, we're investigating him. And this dude just ride or died that story 
I mean, what a crazy world we yeah. live in. Yeah, and I don't that's know more to say about that. that. That is what we were talking about earlier in this episode. How something can be. It, there might be a little bit of factual information in this story where uh, Kennedy is talking to the. He did talk to the police department. Yeah, that's the only fact in it. Is yeah, that he did talk to the police. And, department. and they said that they might be looking into something, yeah, or they you are know? aware of. Yeah. yeah. Which, which is probably their generic response. You know, they probably get calls like, are you looking into this? I heard this crime happened. Are you looking into it? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we're looking into it. Don't worry. Um, that's probably just like kind of the generic response to keep people from being scared, you know, in, the, in their community. And so uh, for them to say, no, we're not looking into it would kind of look bad on them. Like, oh, if you've gotten these tips, why haven't you looked into it? So that's probably just a generic response. And then Kennedy takes this and blows it up to these huge allegations of Shane Dawson's going to be thrown in prison and all of this crazy stuff. And that is why cancel culture can be so dangerous. Yeah, riding the clout wave. Seriously. And let me, I mean, we can continue on. Basically, Shane Dawson, the same uh, journalist who wrote the first report for Insider, reaches out to Shane Dawson's lawyer. Shane Dawson's lawyer responds saying, we are going to take appropriate legal action against Sanders Kennedy because this is basically defamation. And people are pretty much like, okay, well, Sanders Kennedy is either going to get sued for defamation or sent some kind of letter to stop doing what they're doing. Well, then all of a sudden Sanders Kennedy responds to everything going on with a 14 second video, no explanation, no nothing, just says that according to an insider uh, article, the there's no investigation and going on against Shane Dawson by the LA Sheriff's Department, and then the video's over. That's it. I mean, no deep explanation about it. And then he proceeds to delete all other videos that he has about Shane Dawson off of his channel. And so basically, to me, I'm, I'm assuming that maybe he received a cease and desist in the mail, and when you're a small YouTuber with a quarter million followers and you receive a cease and desist from a YouTuber with 20 million followers, you tend to follow that. <laughs> I would Because they probably least. have really expensive lawyers exactly. on retainer. Yeah, and so... But here's the here's the funniest thing about this all. So we know Sanders Kennedy fabricated this story. We know that Shane that that Shane Dawson's lawyer threatened legal action. We know that the truth is that none of this was actually happening. But in all of this, I checked Sanders Kennedy's social blade, and he's still gaining subscribers. Oh, my word. <laughs> People don't like Shane Dawson anymore. Oh, no. man. You can make up anything, no matter how baseless the accusation is against Shane Dawson, and you will, you will just – people will love you. Yeah, my mindset is that – Yes, people aren't happy with Sanders Kennedy, but they're they're even less happy with Shane Dawson. So they're like, yeah. "Hey, whatever, dude. Like this guy can lie about you all he wants because you suck or something like that." Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just thought that that was a funny little snippet. It's kind of an update to our to our uh, Shane Dawson episode. I also have a quick update that I want to share about our Doctor Disrespect episode. We had. Um, brought up that there was a potential that Dr. Disrespect had spoken with Nick Merckx or Tim the Tatman, other streamers and whatnot, but basically it was confirmed that um, nobody has actually spoken to Dr. Disrespect since his ban, so there's not any big update in that, and uh, it's still very mysterious what's going on. Which, it's crazy there. it's been this long, and it's I still know. no word. Yeah, I mean, you're probably within the next week or so here, we're going to be coming up on a month of ban of this huge streamer and there's just no no information. I mean, Nick Merck's on stream had kind of made a comment that almost made it sound like he knew that this was going to take 2 to 2 months to to handle. Um but then obviously that was all you know proven to be that they were just joking around. They were just saying things that that 
you know, everybody took and ran with, but they obviously didn't mean it. So really, you know, if you're looking for a Dr. Disrespect update about what's actually going on, there's nothing. We just know that what we've heard previously from Nick Merckx or Tim the Tapman or other streamers is either false information or just misunderstood information. Well, that's all that we got for you guys today. And we're thankful that you guys have listened to this episode. We hope that you guys like this format. And uh, if you enjoyed the episode, you can go ahead and give a rating to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, or you can hit subscribe or follow on the platform that you're listening to. Remember each week that you can get the new episode a week ahead of time. So if you want to listen to next week's episode right now, you can go to our Patreon or you can go to theinfluencerbreakdown.com and follow the link to go to our Patreon to listen to the episodes one week before, which which works so well for this format because you will be able to get these stories, get this information as it's happening, which is obviously the best way to consume it. Yeah. And so don't forget to uh, subscribe once again. We're excited to have you listening to the podcast, and we look forward to having you here next week as well.